Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast version, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. You can also find information about my talk show appearances and any new book projects at MarlenePardo.com or go to Amazon and look up my author profile as Marlene Pardo Pelliser. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and also listen to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for Scary Storytelling, Nightshade Diary for Classic Horror and Adventure Stories, and of course, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests as we talk about the mysteries of the unexplained. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy theories, and just about anything that is plain weird, you can visit Strange Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How is everybody doing? Good, I hope. I'm doing good. Uh, still kind of crazy. Matter of fact, I was having a conversation with a guest, which I will introduce in a minute, about that in 2020s. Like we're hoping is like, I think that this year when we have the New Year's Eve, it'll be like, forget welcoming the New Year's. Like, let's, this is it. No more 2020, that this is the end of it. Because right now we're about, what, almost three quarters of the way through. And it's like, what? Okay, this is, I hope this is not the intro to the next 10 years, like in decades, because, wow. Yeah, everybody I think is uh, a little bit over it. But anyway, which is, you'll see why. First of all, I've had this guest here, and we're going to talk about some interesting stuff. All right. Which is right in line with some so many of the unusual things that are happening this year. Um, and... Uh, as a matter of fact, let help me welcome back Jason Ofit. And uh, but I'm gonna let me let me give you his 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 uh, bio again for those of you who are not familiar with Jason. He grew up on a farm near the little town of Oric, Missouri. In his life, he's been a farmhand, a journalist, a photographer, a bartender, and the mayor of the same small town. He now teaches journalism at Northwest Missouri State University and Maryville, and keeps the world safe from the forces of evil. He must be very busy. Okay, so now that the interview bio is out of the way, this is who he really is. He's a nerd, a Dungeons and Dragons playing Star Trek watching conspiracy theory fanboy. And he considers the Twilight Zone as the greatest television program ever created. And author Michael Crichton was a wizard. And he once went to Halloween. I think this is so cute. Went to one Halloween party dressed as Gilligan and his wife as Marianne. Uh, as a kid, he looked for Sasquatch footprints in the yard, UFOs over our farmhouse. And one night, his whole family and him saw something that shouldn't or couldn't have been in the sky. And then one afternoon, he by himself saw a full-bodied apparition that stared at him through hollow eyes. So, Jason, how are you doing? I love that intro, by the way. Your bio is great. <laughs> how are Thanks. you doing today? I'm, I'm doing terrific. And, and yourself? Good, good. Um, so, I know you've, since the last time that you were here, you've put out some new books. And um, we were talking about uh, one of the ones that you just recently put out, which I was fascinated with, 
is all about the different cryptids, the chasing American monsters, over 250 creatures. And I didn't realize that were that many cryptids, I guess, because we always hear about the, your, you know, the typical, you know, of course, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, you know, uh, different versions of Bigfoot, by the way, depending on what part of the country you're in. Um, maybe some dogmen or werewolves, but 250, that's a lot. Yeah, and there, well, there, there are a lot, uh, you, you mentioned Bigfoot. Yeah, there, there are a number of Bigfoot stories because there are, because like you said, there are different, different Bigfoots depending on what, what, uh, part of the country you're on or that you're in. Uh, so, so I included the different ones, the three-toed, the five-toed, the, the ones that look like an orangutan, you know, all, all, all the weird ones. Right. And from what I understand, there's also some that are considered aggressive or dangerous. And then there's the other ones that everybody thinks is, hey, they just want to stay out of our way and, you know, like return the favor kind of deal. I, I mean, in other words, different ones in the country have different um, reputations, I guess. Well, and why not? I mean, if, if they're as, as close to human as, as people, you know, keep saying they are, you know, there's there's got to be. There's got to be the same varieties, you know. We've got some really nice, caring people out there, and we've got some real jerks. Yeah, so, you know, right? Yeah, we, so we, why not? <laughs> yeah, humans will mug you in the alley. The the mean Bigfoot will rip your head off in the forest. You know, it's same same thing. Right? Yeah. Well, why not? Why not? You know, some of us want to play nice with them, and some of them consider us a food source. You know, let's 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 go to the extreme, right? Right. <laughs> Uh, let me ask you, but still, again, that still leaves room for, how did, did you, I know that you're very good at doing eyewitness interviews. Um, is that how you brought about all the list of cryptids or was it just through research? Because I know some of these things, some of these uh, cryptids, they surface for only like a certain time and then that's it, you know, then they just right, yeah. disappear. Then they, then they vanish, right. Um, and sometimes it's just, you know, one you know, you know, one, one time, you know, people see them once and then they, they never see them again. And then, mm -hmm. and then sometimes they're seen, you know, hundreds of times by, by hundreds of people. Uh, there, there are some, uh, interviews in there. Uh, I, I couldn't have done, couldn't have done that for every one of them. I relied a lot on, uh, on, uh, old, uh, old newspaper clippings, right. Um, stories written in magazines, things, things of that nature. Uh, but you know, I did, I did talk to quite a few people. Okay. And um, because I know that sometimes people, that, I'm, it's surprising, sometimes people keep these stories for quite a while to themselves because they're, they don't want to be that one, you know, that kooky guy that saw the whatever. Right. But, well, and in, in my intro that, that you'd mentioned, the full-bodied apparition that I saw, I was about, I don't know, nine or ten years old, and I, and I saw this in my house. My house uh, had been a two-room schoolhouse. It was about 120 years old when I was a kid. Uh, which you know puts it at about four million years old now, but um, yeah, and, and so it, it is a pretty old house. And uh, when I saw it, uh, I didn't tell anybody. It was thirty years before I told anybody about it, right. and, and that was my family. I didn't talk to the, you know didn't even talk to them about it for thirty years. Right, because people like they, and I hate to say it. Sometimes people think hey, I heard this from somebody else. I'd be thinking, what? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, like, yeah. so they, they're like, let me just, let's just keep this, you know, forget it. It's, 
Well, and one of the things, one of the great things about I mean, about about shows like yours and 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 you know all all the you know influx of paranormal stuff on TV, it's people are more used to seeing it now, more right. used to seeing and hearing people talking about their experiences. So, uh, you know, the last few books that I've written on paranormal topics, people have been a lot more forthcoming, uh, you know, with information than they were my first couple of books. Sure. Because, yeah, yeah, things have changed that much in like 15 years. Right, the stigma kind of, for the people, for, some people don't care, but the other ones that do. And I've heard a lot of people also, yeah, like it, depending also what you did for a living, you know, you, that thing could follow you around for years, you know. Uh, yeah. So I know a lot of people were hesitant sometimes to come forward and say stuff unofficially, but even if it had nothing to do with what they did for a living, they just didn't want to run the risk of, hey, uh, I can't afford, you know, especially if, let's say, you did something where your credibility had to be intact. Right. It was like, I can't afford to have that, be that, that, that person. Because then <clears throat> forever people will be, yeah, that, but, but, but remember, he said he saw the whatever, whatever. So, well, right. And I, I interviewed a few uh, police officers uh, and who didn't, <laughs> who, who, who waited until they were, uh, until they yes. were retired to say anything. Because uh, because this this one one man I talked to just you know put it out there. My partner and I saw this in 1967. It was it was a UFO encounter. Uh, we saw this and we had to swear to each other that we weren't going to tell anybody about it because as soon as this thing came up, we'd have to undergo psychiatric evaluation, and they didn't want to have to deal with that. Right, and you know what? And I've heard that. I've heard that a lot of times from law enforcement. They'll say, you know what, and in some cases, depending on what department you work for, it could be a career killer. Officially, they'll never put it. But for some reason, maybe if you have any aspirations for advancement or promotions, they always somehow never seem to go anywhere. And, it, it, you know, of course, they won't say that that's the reason. But sometimes it is unofficially the reason why it's like, yeah, you know what? Let's not just in case. you know. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, if I were... Um... If I were a police officer, an airplane pirate, pilot, uh, a doctor, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a word mm-hmm. for for just that reason. That it would, it, even though, even though I know I would have known what I saw. You know, the the things right. that I experienced, I know I saw them. But I was a journalist, and and now I teach, so that you know, yeah. it's, it's not not as bad as having somebody's life in your hands. That those, so I, I understand why they keep quiet. Yeah, if God forbid you ever do anything wrong, it'll come up. Hey, do you know this guy said that he saw the whatever? You know, all of a sudden something that's insignificant will become. Wait a second, like... <laughs> and he's given me a vasectomy tonight and yeah. or today? No way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no. Yeah. Who, yeah. It, who's on call? Who's the other person available for this? <laughs> yes, I can see it. People, and you know that's what I'm saying. People get wig out, but unfortunately, sometimes they have good reason why they want to keep stuff like that to themselves. Like you said, either because they quit that job or they retire or whatever, and it's like, okay, who cares now? You know, now I can come out and say anything I want. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. A lot of people that are, by the way, trained observers who have right. quite some good stories about their own firsthand experiences. Right. If you know, I, I would want to hear what a pilot said. I would want to hear what what the police, you know, have seen. I, you know, I, I want right. to know this because these are, you know, people. You're right, trained observers. Mm-hmm. You know, just the average person seeing something. Uh, you know, I was a journalist for for long enough to know how eyewitness testimony is um, is is a bit dodgy. 
a, a lot of times. But and, and even with trained observers, but I would trust them a lot more than than right. uh, yeah than than just somebody on the street usually. Well, if you look at it, sometimes you say, okay, you know, when you have X amount of reports. Wait, uh, Jason, what I was saying is that um, a lot of people that um, have these experiences, they, well, sometimes it's surprising when they have a sympathetic ear as, in, let's say, somebody like yourself that asks a story and they know they're not going to get that look like, yeah, sure. They disclose sometimes stuff that they've kept to themselves for 10, 20, 30 years. Right. Well, it, and I'll give you give you an example of uh, of another reason uh, that people wouldn't say things. Uh, I I don't tell the story very often at all, um, but I'll tell it to you tonight, and then I'll tell you the reason why. I'll tell you why I don't tell it very often. Um, I, I was working in a newspaper in, in the Kansas City, Missouri area, and and I lived about a fifty minute drive from from the newspaper, and uh, we we put the bed. Uh, we put the paper to bed at around uh, midnight on uh, on Friday nights, and I was I was driving home, so it was well after midnight on my way home, and I hit a sign that said my hometown, you know, the town where I was going to was five miles away, and at that sign, as soon as I passed it, my favorite Stone song, "Gimme Shelter," okay. came on the radio, and I thought this is great. I mean, "Gimme Shelter" is four minutes and thirty seven seconds long. I'll be able to listen to it all the way home. Okay. And the next thing I knew after thinking that, uh, the car was dragging. Uh, I'd had uh, the, the, the road I was on was 55 miles an hour and I had it on cruise control and, and the, uh, the car was dragging. So, and I, I looked around and I, I, you know, I thought, wow, road hypnosis, that's weird. So I, I slowed down, I hit the brakes and slowed down. Fog was everywhere. And I went up the hill. I went up a hill. The thing I was going up a hill. That's why the car was dragging. And there was no hill in between that sign, that five mile sign, and the town where I was going. But I was going up a hill, and I was surrounded by fog. And I went down and up and down and up a couple of more hills before I saw a light shining through the fog. And I pulled in. And okay. it was it was uh, the, at that light was a uh, uh, Jehovah's Witness church. And I knew immediately where I was at that point, and I was five, about five miles on the opposite side of the t town I was going to. And as I sat there in the parking lot thinking, what the heck just happened to me, I realized the Rolling Stones' Gimme Shelter was still on. And it was on for at least another minute. So all so, this did happen within four minutes and 37 seconds, but yeah, you ended it, up... In a, a, on another part I, of the town? Wow. I drove, I drove 10 miles in, in less than 4 minutes and 37 seconds. Because like I said, I sat in that parking lot for a minute or so and listened to the rest of the song. And I don't know, I don't know what happened. Now, here's the reason I don't tell that story very often. I think I know what people are going to say to me about it. And I don't want to hear it. <laughs> okay so maybe i think that's why that's another reason why people don't tell these stories is because they they have have an idea what might have happened to them and and they don't want anybody you know to to try and confirm that well that's like does that almost, make sense yeah it's like a, yeah. 
I mean, tell you something, okay, it wasn't really missing time per se, as in some here you hear some abductees that are gone for hours or maybe days. Mm -hmm. Time slip, um, it's almost like distortion, time distortion, but, and it's really funny because you mentioned you saw a sign visually that said five miles to where your destination is, and you also had that song that was going to play. So those were two things that you could set basically measure time with, in other words. Right. And and I could measure my speed. Right. Because exactly. I had it on cruise control. So how are you feeling so when that happened? I very I was I was I was confused okay. as to what happened because I mean there was no no physical way uh -huh. that I could have driven ten miles in that amount of time, especially again, cause I had the cruise control on. Right. Yeah. And, but as far as you were concerned, when did you realize something was going on when you're, when you felt going uphill or wh wh when was it that something said, what, what, what's going on? Well, here? when I started, when I started going uphill, uh, and, and I was, and, and there was thick fog at that moment, I, you know, I slowed, I slowed the car down because, you know, the hill shouldn't have been there and okay. it had been clear it had been clear on my way home i had no idea where that fog came from but i, I was just automatically in it so i had no idea where i was and again up and down a couple of hills until i saw that light and pulled in and recognized the building let me tell you something it reminds me of that movie the mist the one that's based on the stephen king story yeah. novelette or whatever it was you know yeah. the fog is like what's in the fog <laughs> Yeah. Well, and you know the 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 thing is that I've I've interviewed enough people and read enough stories that you know it sounds like an you know an abduction scenario, and right. I, and I don't even want to I don't want to think about that. Right. Well, I was thinking because sometimes you hear the abduction where there's more significant loss of time. In other words, okay, like right. Well, it, like Travis Walton, he was gone for. You know, oh, how long? Five well, days or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it was like days. You know, it was like significant. I mean, they were thought would, that he had been murdered. And then they were, you know, accusing his co-workers of murdering him. Right. Uh, but then even then, the ones that are shorter, you hear one hour, two hours, or that they, you know, it's like a few hours. That's why I said, you know, like, what did you go? Like little mini wormhole in the countryside? Like, but kind of, I don't know. That's, that's really a very unusual story. And... After, but you felt okay physically. You felt fine. Yeah, I, I felt fine. I mean, I was a, a little, little shaken up, but that was, you know, emotionally, not physically. And and that thing with the fog coming out of nowhere. There's most of the time, if you look at, I mean, I don't know, but most fog you see it creeping in. You, you know, when it starts to well, foggy. right. But it was, you know, I mean, you're driving. Uh, if you're driving long distances, you get that road hypnosis, and you're right, like, "Where did yes. where the last yes. ten miles go?" I don't know. Yeah, and, you, and I, I just I chalked it up to that. But you know, the, the other weirdness in it, uh, it it might be something else. Again, I I don't want to know. <laughs> well, you know what? You wouldn't be the first, or the last one. That that happens to that they that that that's and that thing that you ended up on a, that hill thing like you know that you know perfectly well there's no hill <laughs> right like okay did they take you car and all you see what I'm saying it's like what 
that that's uh that's something to ponder there i mean how long ago did that happen to you oh gosh 20 years ago oh that was a while back yeah did anything ever similar like that ever happen to you again no i've never had anything like that happen <laughs> that was quick that was like no 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 yeah no that was well and i never had anything like that happen before right uh let me let me let me throw in one caveat that i remember okay hello yeah i'm still here okay no that you said that you were gonna what caveat Oh, you didn't hear that part? Okay. No. no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I said uh, one. One. There's. There's one. One. One caveat to to my my statement about it's never happened before or since is that I don't. It it's never happened before or since that I remember. Ah. So it might have, and I just just don't remember, which is fine by me. Wow. Well, let me tell you something. I mean, I did hypnotherapy for a few for all for a few years, and I had people. I had people coming, believe it or not, I, I actually had people that were coming to me like, can you make me forget this? And it'd be like, no, I can't do that. I can usually help you the other way around, depending on what it is, you know. But there, there was some people that wanted me to hypnotize them to forget certain things. But usually, um, in my experience, when you don't remember something or your mind doesn't remember something, it's because your subconscious mind doesn't think that you can handle it. And some yeah. people, they, 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 you know how some people get these recovered memories, like maybe sometimes years later? It's because then, you, maybe then you're ready. And some people never remember, ever. And it's your, your subconscious mind telling you, you know what, we want to keep you sane, so we're going to bury this forever and ever. But, you know, of course, that's just me going down like a rabbit hole as to if you've ever had any experiences. One time I, I went to um, a meeting that we had here with people for... Uh, you know, ufologists and Wufan would come and do presentations. You know, after the meeting, people drift off and they start talking. I had more than one person tell me, hey, you know, I had a sighting. It was either uh, either UFO sighting or even in some cases extraterrestrial mm -hmm. stuff, weird stuff. And they said, and all of a sudden I started having paranormal stuff happening in my home. And it was like, really? And more than one person told me the same thing. It was like they dovetailed. Like, Paranormal stuff, as in things that you think of, like have nothing to do with what the extraterrestrial slash UFO field. Right. And... I've interviewed people who've told me the same thing. Really. That they've they've had uh, that they've had an, an encounter um, with with something you know otherworldly, whether it be mm -hmm. uh, that they've seen a uh, UFO or uh, you know encountered a, a being that they thought was an extraterrestrial, and then. And after that, it was like, you know, the, the, the gates had been opened. Right, and exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, that's, they themselves couldn't understand the connection. Like, what does it have to do with either me sighting a UFO or, I, you know, in some cases, some of them said that they saw, let's say, an extraterrestrial looking in through the window of the room. This is a, for instance, I had more than one person. Tell me. And then they're saying, and then all of a sudden, weird things started going on in my house. As in poltergeist kind of like weird, like what does that have to do with uh, the extraterrestrial thing? And it seems in some cases like they overlap. And I'm sure if I don't know if you ran across this when you were doing your research on cryptids, where there's sometimes they find 
a pattern of cryptid sightings also coincide with UFO sightings? Uh, well, yeah, well, especially uh, I, Bigfoot comes up a lot with, mm -hmm. with that. If there's any, any crypt, and, and this is something that, you know, a lot of a lot of Bigfoot people don't like to hear, and a lot of UFO people don't like to. They don't like their worlds to, to intertwine. But right. there have been so many, you know, Bigfoot sightings at the same place that there have been been UFO sightings, and at the same time, I mean, it, it, it'd be hard to ignore ignore all those. Right, and and I now, know that that, that yeah, of course the correlation is like, are they connected somehow? Is the thing. Right, right, and. Who, yeah, just like with with all this stuff, really, who knows? Well, <laughs> who was it the other day that was telling me that uh, uh, yeah, uh, that Skinwalker Ranch, the one in Utah, that's gotten right. you know all those years that there was, I believe, um, that there was one story. I can't remember who the source was. I think it was one of the people that was on there, either that or one of the, the you know the family that was living there originally. Right. But anyway, that. Um, there was a story where they saw what looked like a UFO and an actual looked like some type of cryptid animal being discharged from like a tube or something from the this UFO kind of the thing, you know. And I was like, I hadn't heard that. I mean, I had heard all the different stories of the Skinwalker. I had not heard that one in particular. And God knows they've seen a lot of weird stuff out there, um, you know, either UFO and or cryptid and or question mark. Um, that, and you know, and then of course you hear, because you have the people that think, okay, you have uh, Bigfoot or Sasquatch is like a natural, a nature thing. Like they're okay. They're just some type of primate, whatever you want to call it, that we haven't identified. And then you have the other people that think, are they coming in through rips or tears from another dimension? And that's why they're connected to UFOs. And then it just takes on a whole different context or do we have both you know do we have natural ones and then you know maybe the ones that escaped and you know came and stayed here and then the other ones that come and go um yeah i know what you mean as far as some people don't want those two things to overlap um right and i'm i'm well and on 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 this i'm open to to about anything because basically we we really don't know yeah and course. and people who say that they know they they don't know <laughs> yeah. But I, the way I view Bigfoot, and 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 it's kind of the same when it comes to uh, to, to uh, you know UFOs. Uh, in the most logical explanation for Bigfoot is that it is it's an unidentified primate. That okay. is the most terrestrial logical explanation. Right. I'm open to a ton of others. You know, I've talked to people who are convinced it's you know an interdimensional being or or a nature spirit. Okay, that's fine, and you could be right, but let's prove that it's not a uh, you know not a flesh and blood um, creature, not not a, not a primate from this planet before you start jumping to interdimensional. Right. Let, let's let's take this off the board first. And then we'll take a step in your direction. Right. And it's the same with UFOs. I mean, um, the, the 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 thing to do now is to is to say that they're not nuts and bolts craft coming here from you know Alpha Centauri or or, or wherever uh, or yeah. Zeta Reticuli. Yeah. But you know, looking at it, um, to me, that's the most logical explanation. And when people say it's, you know, it's too far from there to here. 
well, it's too far for us. You know, it's, it's, oh, well, they of course, can, exactly. With the, with, right. with what we know of whatever propulsion or, you know, getting you know, around, of course, sure. Right, it, it, yeah, it might not be, be too far for them. So whatever your theories about UFOs, you know, being their interdimensional craft or, or, or whatever, let's disprove the, the, the nuts and bolts one first. And and then you might be right. I don't know. I just want to you know take this one out of the you know out of the equation before we move on to something else. Sure. Anyway, that's just that's that's just the way I think. People don't realize that. And I'm, let's go with the United States. There's a lot. People sometimes think, oh well, wouldn't we have come across uh, you know a Bigfoot dead or alive? You know, as in a real specimen or. And people don't realize that there's a good portion of the United States that's un- uninhabited. In other words, you might have Absolutely. a road going through it. Oh my gosh! And I'll talk to people, and they're like, "No, no, because we, we, we've been everywhere. No, there are huge swaths mm-hmm. of forest that people don't ever set foot in." Exactly. There are tons of places for cryptids to hide in this country. Yeah, the best you might have is a road going through it, a two lane, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if that, it might just be a, you know, a dirt road in the national park that gets driven on once every ten years. Yes, yeah. People don't realize there's huge amount of land in the United States alone that is uninhabited, and maybe I'll have a few people come through, and even then they're just coming and going, but there's nobody really living out there. Right, and well, and look at, uh, I mean, look at Canada. That's oh. most of the. Most of the population of Canada is close to the uh, to the American border, so that leaves yeah. a lot of room. Yes. Uh, I mean, Asia, Africa, South South America, my gosh, yes. Australia. There's so much empty space. Yes, there's that these huge... cryptids could be hiding in. Yeah, we always think of you know like that 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 everything is what we've got around us, and it's like no, you know, humans usually, like you said, are living on around their cities, you know, but there's mm-hmm. a huge amount of land that these things could very easily exist in and avoid human contact altogether if they wanted to. Right. Well, and there are also um, lots of, uh, you know, there are lots of reports of, of Bigfoot around large cities, but it's generally uh, close to, to a major river. And, you know, no, we don't have things down close to a major river usually mm-hmm. in, in big cities. So they could still, uh, you know, still travel quite a bit through a highly populated area and never be seen. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, let me ask you, of all the 250 cryptids, did you ever come across something that you were going, what is this? <laughs> what in the world is this? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, there there have been, uh, there have been uh, a few of those. Um, uh, a couple of them. I mean, I even included a couple that were, you know, most definitely, um, you know, misidentification or just one especially is is silly from uh, oh from Pennsylvania. It's uh, the squonk, and it's a uh, it's a it's like a cross between a sharpe and a pig. <laughs> okay. And uh, the thing, you know. It hangs out in the in, in the forest and makes a noise like it's crying. Oh my god! And, and there there was one one guy back in the 1800s who claimed that he captured one, and he had it in a big sack over his back. And you know by the time he got home, 
the sack was drenched with water and the and the and the squonk was gone. It uh, apparently cried itself out oh. of the bag. <laughs> That's way okay. All right, <laughs> but some <laughs> okay. Why not? Why not? Yeah, and. And there, and there are, uh, you know, some other ones like the the Slide Rock Bolter from Colorado. That was, uh, that that was a legend back when uh, when people were uh, mining for silver and gold up in up in the Rockies, and and it was uh, supposedly uh, looked like a whale that lived on land, and and it had a huge hook on uh, on its tail instead of a fluke. It was a hook, and the hook would would hold on to the to a mountain ridge, and whenever it saw people down below it would release the hook slide down and eat them what i, I think that was uh, a, a story that was made out by the miners to keep people from from poking around and maybe laying claim to their to their land <laughs> yeah does that, that you would think that would probably work most people like be like huh yeah. you know or <laughs> is, is that how they explain the avalanches i don't know <laughs> well maybe yeah, yeah, but some of these that that actually have some uh, some history to them are are pretty, um, pretty fun as well. Um, in uh, Alaska, southeastern Alaska, there's a uh, creature that uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce is Kushdaka. Yeah, uh, the, the, I know it's like a, something is like a really weird sounding name. Like yeah, that. it's it it translates into the land otter people. Okay. And they're basically basically wear otters, and these wear otters, um, if if they see someone uh, a human, they don't really like human all that humans all that well. And if they see a human alone on on you know by the shores of this lake, they will appear as a beautiful uh, beautiful human of the opposite sex and lure them into the water to to drown them. Wow. And uh, there's two things they're afraid of. One is dogs. So okay. the local uh, the, the local Inuit tribes kept dogs to protect them okay. from the wear otters. Um, they're also afraid to be peed on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I think, I think I'll the go, I'll go yeah. with the dog thing if I want to get yeah. rid of it. <laughs> I think the, the the best the best thing uh, with the wear otters is in 2013, uh, actor Charlie Sheen uh, went to Alaska with some friends to to search for the land otter people and they didn't find any uh-huh mm. okay that so if charlie I, sheen's on i was this, gonna say yes like why not i mean yeah. that, that that you know if you think about it that makes sense that he would be looking for something like that i yeah. mean you know like that's something unusual like hmm, nothing better to do what could we think of well hey alaska the otter people or where otter but let me ask you the origins of that though are they from the native tribes originally right in other words right right okay okay and and i and i have uh, quite a number of uh of, of stories in the book um it is called chasing american monsters uh mm -hmm. quite a few stories that are that are based on on uh, native american and first nations people's um legends right and i mean <clears throat> you know for the uh, i i've got one of my slides is showing the covers of your recent books including that one that you're talking about um and 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 i think that some people don't realize that a, not all but some of these cryptids their origins started even with the people that lived let's say in that particular area the native americans whatever you know whatever 
territory that was, that they were already talking about seeing this creature long before anybody else arrived. Right, right. And, and uh, a number of lake monsters throughout uh, North America are like that, that were, were talked about by the, by the natives, as well as uh, lots of Bigfoot encounters. One, one of the things, uh, if I can talk about the big hairy guy again for sure. a second. Um, one of the things that, that tends to, to come up when, when, uh, when the Native Americans discuss uh, Bigfoot is that they are, were just another tribe of people. They were big and hairy, but they were another tribe of people. And this is, this is one of the things, um, you know, like I said before, I want to, you know, I'd like for somebody to prove that Bigfoot isn't a, you know, isn't, isn't a, isn't a living primate. And, and according to, um, you know, the native Americans, that yes, he, he is, I mean, we're primates as well. Um, but they were, they were human that then they traded with, with, with them. Um, okay. and, and the big, Bigfoot would, would sometimes steal, you know, women, uh, as mates, you okay. know? So, um, and of the ty different types of, of Bigfoot we've talked about, there are a lot of them that, that people report their facial features look human. Right. There were a number, there've been a number of hunters who've said that I had this in my sight, but I couldn't pull the trigger because it looked too human. Right. Right. Exactly. And um, now I'm, I'm going to take that uh, to, to a different, different step. Um, Dr. Melba Ketchum, uh, are you familiar with her? Yes. Uh, yes. Well, the DNA that she had analyzed that was purported to be Bigfoot DNA came back as, as human, but with some anomalies. There was another Bigfoot hunter in Alberta, Canada, who had DNA that, you know, from, from a Bigfoot. And it came back as human with some anomalies. There was a British um, researcher. He was a college uh, professor and anthropologist who had um, Zaina. Uh, I don't know if that name's familiar. She was uh, allegedly an Almo, which is the, the Russian Bigfoot mm -hmm. that was captured by, by, uh, by a far off village and, and uh, the men of the village were able to, to mate with her, and she had offspring. Well, he was able to get one of the offspring um, exhumed, and he, he did DNA testing on it, and that came back as human, but with some anomalies. Well, what if all three of these tests that were done were right, and the samples were actually from a Bigfoot, and they're just humans, and those anomalies... Are, are you know the things that, that they couldn't you know figure out what they were that's just right. what makes them a bigfoot you know they're right. very well could be uh, could be a great you know part of this great big human family right or you know you, I'm sure you've heard stories of what they call feral children who right you know things like that where maybe they're not feral as in maybe they were the offspring of a bigfoot in other words you know, um, so you because you you know especially before you would sometimes hear about these children being found, and of course people would say the you know the they they were brought up by animals you know nothing having to do with with Bigfoot, but it makes you wonder really what their origins were. Maybe they weren't abandoned children per se. Yeah, well, I, I had yeah I hadn't thought about it that way. 
So yeah, it's 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 like it makes you think. Yeah, there or especially if you start thinking, okay, what if one of these Bigfoot is actually having a child with a human? When I say a human woman, as in a non-Bigfoot, you know, it, are you right. going to have an offspring that looks more human than a regular Bigfoot? But obviously not totally human. Or like genetics, you know, genetics is weird. You'll have one offspring that looks one way and then another one that looks another way. Right. You know, it's... Yeah, interesting. Yeah, like I said, I hadn't, hadn't really thought of it that way. And um, let me... And what do you, Did you run across any of when you research? You know, I'm sure you've heard about all these weird disappearances in the parks and all these places of people like... Right, Basically I followed the the, the rest the the four one one. Right, right, the Canab missing four one one. Do you think that cryptids? And I'm not gonna point the finger only at Bigfoot, but he's up. He's right up at the front of the line. Do you think that they have anything to do with those disappearances? You know, that's when whenever I first heard David Politis talk. Mm-hmm. That is the first thing I thought. That right. is the first, and, and he's the the work he's done has just been terrific. Oh, I, there's I, a lot of crunching of information there. I'll tell you that much. Oh my gosh, yeah. So yeah, we you know all researchers out there should thank David for all the work he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I first heard him, I'm like, that's that's got to be it. Yes. But there have been so many strange ones, and and I I've heard stories and, and talked to people who've who've had missing, you know, who've been missing and known people who've been missing that, that don't really correspond to that, that, you know, all, all the missing, I, I, I think it's really a combination of a bunch of different things. Could some of them be? Yes. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example of one. There was, mm-hmm. I think this was like two years ago in North Carolina. It was, um, like it, it got down below uh, like 25 degrees or something at night, and there was a two, two or three year old boy missing. He went missing out of the backyard, and they were their their backyard butted up against the forest, and he was gone for three days. And it, like I said, it got down to about 25 degrees at night. Well, a little kid like that's going to die yes. out in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And they found him, and this is just like you know, Politis says. They found him in a spot that they had been searched a number of times before. And then they found the boy there. And the boy said that a bear kept him kept him warm. Right. You know, do you remember that story? I've heard of that story, yes. That that you, that uh, and of course when you have small children, it's very difficult sometimes when you're trying to get information out of them. Because their description is their interpretation of what it is. Right, big and hairy, it's going to be right, a bear. Exactly, exactly. But in 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 the winter, no. some uh, no, a bear is going to eat the child. The oh, child was not kept warm by warm by a bear. Oh yeah, or they were, or he would have died of exposure. That's I mean. Yeah. So what what kept that kid alive? Good question. Huh? That's the that's the that's the question. Yeah. But then, because I, I you know when you you know you start going down, let's go down that rabbit hole, and then you say you know because you know that he's. A lot of his research is he always tries to find uh, a common denominator for all these people that are being taken. You know, like trying to see is there is there something that links all these people, even though that might be hundreds of miles. And then I'm thinking, okay, let's if we say uh, for it's a 
It's a Bigfoot or a cryptid. How does Bigfoot or cryptid know that particular thing about this person's background? For example, um, for and I know he's mentioned that, uh, especially with children, that sometimes they have, they, you know, they might be, you know, they might have some type of learning disability or something like that, that you would think, you know, because you think of most predators as being opportunistic. No, they right. take whoever they can, however they can. And you would think, okay, if this would be a cryptid that wants to abduct a child, for whatever reason, how would they know, well, we're going to take only these certain ones that have this in common versus the one that's just the easiest because, like he said, you know, like they say, don't be the last one in line. Right. You know, which is like, you better believe I'm not going to be the last in line, not, especially if I go to the park. But, you well, know. I mean, that's where that's where predators, you know, will pick off on herd animals. Yeah, they pick exactly. off the last that part, ones. That part makes sense. That part makes sense where, you know, if this is the last one um, and I can dart and get this one real quick, yeah. But there's other parts that it's like, why would they pick that one in particular? Sometimes that's not the most opportunistic one as far as, you know, that. So, it, yeah, I, 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 let me tell you something. You could go round and round on that. And um, and again, considering the amount that have that he's found throughout the years that have been reported, you know, because I know some of the stuff has been years and years and years. Uh it makes you wonder, you know, because I heard the theory, people living in the woods, you know, like, uh, you name it. And it's like, there's just too many people that go missing under very unusual circumstances. Some are found, some are not alive. Others, again, when he details, you know, the ones that are found just in areas that have already been searched. And it makes you think, okay, it's almost like... Um, even if, let's say, a person or a cryptid would decide to kidnap this child and return him, like, oh, uh, you know, this changed my mind. Why would they put him back there? It's, it's kind of like there's something there that's so weird and so unusual. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 that's the only part that I see. Or where they find the, the child, like, up a mountainside or somewhere. Like, yeah, how'd that kid get up there without shoes or something like that? Right, right. Well, and then there are are cases to where, you know, a, a child will, uh, you know, be missing, and then come, then a few days later he's back, where you know um, they'd searched before, and this kid was wearing somebody else's clothes, right. or he was wearing his clothes on backward, and and the kid was young enough to where he couldn't physically take his clothes off and put them back on. Right. And and that kind of falls in line with uh, with you know some alien abduction stories too. Yes, and anybody who's had children knows exactly what he's talking about. At which age a child can actually put their clothing on? Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's an acquired skill. It's <laughs> yeah. And when they're young enough, it's like trying to you know trying to put clothes on a on a mongoose. I mean, yeah. it's just yeah. all over the place. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying that people don't realize, no, you may know how to put your clothing on now, but there was a time where you didn't, or you thought you were doing a great job and not really. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it's like that, 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 and now you also, you, um, I know you, you did when we spoke originally, you had come out with a Shadow Man book, which I thought was super interesting. Okay. Because 
you come to realize a lot of people have had that type of encounter as far as and then you you came out with what lurks beyond and then uh you have also two fiction books which by the way i read a little bit and they're great that one about you had to build a time machine and the other one about it's a bad day for an apocalypse oh my god that is such great writing jason Uh, and god bless your imagination but anyway let me ask you something and what lurks beyond is that what is that one about that was well i i wrote a uh, a newspaper column called from the shadows for about four and a half years and it was it was it was paranormal based every every story was um you know on on either either uh you know me digging into a spooky topic or uh telling somebody's story who had had some encounter okay. and i noticed that i was contacted by a lot of people who lived around me um so I thought, you know, let's, let's, let's do an experiment. So I got a map. I measured out on a, a piece of string 100 miles. I thumbtacked one end of the string in the town where I live. I had a pencil on the other end of the string. So it was 100 miles on the string, and I just drew a circle. And I looked for every single paranormal thing I could find within that circle. And I, I found, you know, of course, the hauntings. I uh, uh, found a couple of famous UFO encounters. Uh, a guy who uh, built tried to build a time machine, claims he actually did. Uh, demonic possession, uh, some shadow people, and uh, a mind-reading dog. I found all of this stuff. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my basic point uh, with, with the book, and I say this in the introduction is, or no, the afterward, sorry, is, is I found all this stuff around it within 100 miles of my house. And if it's within 100 miles of mine, it's within 100 miles of yours. So go get out there and look for it. Right. In other words, you don't have to travel to some exotic place or across the country where everybody else goes, by the way, for, yeah. that, uh, for that paranormal experience. Just walk out your back door. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, people, I, you know what? I, I agree with you 100% on that. It's just that some places, for some reason, they get the notoriety because they get more exposure. So people like legend trippers and people like that say, well, if I want to have the genuine experience, I need to go out to the, you know, the bridge where the goat man is seen, for example. And sometimes if you just look around, you might have goat man, if that's what you're looking for, closer than you think. Yeah, yeah, you sure or, will. Or some version thereof. Yeah, uh, because for example, Bigfoot. You know, we've got what they call a skunk ape down here in uh, in Florida, uh, just west of where I live at, which <clears> is the um, the Everglades. As a matter of fact, they have a an outpost there, like one down one of the roads that runs east to west. Oh, you know, right on the uh, right through the Everglades, in other words, and the, and it's and it's a, a Bigfoot headquarters outpost kind of deal. <laughs> And, uh, but, but if you speak to the, um, you know, the tribes that are out here are the Miccosukee and the Seminoles. And just like what you were talking about, they have stories of, of, if you want to call it skunk ape, being around for many, many years prior to anybody calling it the skunk ape, in other words. Right. Uh, And that's, and that's one of the things that really, really annoys me is that people immediately discount the local legends right 
and and it's it's ridiculous. I mean, these stories came from somewhere. You know, and if we have all of these uh, all of these these Native Americans talking about about Bigfoot, we have um, the the Aborigines in in Australia talking about Yowie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> listen and and. One of one of my uh, one one of my favorite examples of of this is in uh, in the Congo, the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Okay. For years, the locals there were telling stories of an extremely large and chimpanzee who spent most of his time walking on his hind legs, uh, would howl at the moon, and was able to kill leopards and lions and eat them, and. You know, the the Westerners came in. Oh, we know more than than the, than the locals here. There's no such thing. Well, in 1996, the Billy B I L I, because it's the Billy Forest, the Billy Ape was discovered by Western science. There you go. And it was exactly as the as as the locals said. Right. It. Yeah. And wow, if you would have just listened, and maybe. Maybe had somebody take you out there, you know, we, it would have been before 1996 that we would have known this uh, this species of chimpanzee exists. Why why aren't more legends and stories like this taken seriously? There's there's so much we could uh, we could actually know if we just listen. Well, I think that when you have whatever people are living on that land. That it's like they're not going anywhere. They don't want to go. Plus, either they don't want to, they don't can't. So they have a choice. They either get along with whatever it is, or just coexist with it. They see it as part of the. I lived in this place, so I'm just going to adapt to my environment, including the whatever it happens to be. If it's friendly, great. If it's not, well, we'll just don't ever go alone into that part of the uh, whatever. Because the you-know-what will get you. I mean, people didn't think about... They just took it, I guess my point is, they took it as the norm, as the natural world. Not, right. not for us, because if you look at it from the beginning, once you identify it as a cryptid, it's identified as something that probably, in other words, mysterious and can't exist, or not normal, in other words. Once right. you well, went, and there are so many examples of that throughout history, like the... The, the mountain gorilla and the, uh, the the giant panda. Right. I mean, Western science you know, didn't think those things. They thought they were fanciful stories until they actually saw them. And, and well, the, the platypus, even when when uh, a, a person, a scientist brought one back from, from Australia, the people in, in England, you know, thought it was a hoax. Well. Even and, when they had a body right there. Right. And, 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 um. And this is the thing, when you think of, you know, of course, these are animals are found in Australia with the, the way that they reproduce, which in other words, they, uh, they don't, um, they don't hatch per se, and they don't, uh, they don't give what they, you know, like most, most mammals, uh, they basically, you know, have a pouch and it's it's uh most and that's only known there that's where you see it with kangaroos and all these animals that are in australia why why can't that and that's just the norm that's just the way animals develop there as far as reproduction right and uh i think that who was it i was hearing that they had discovered 
uh, in the ocean, you know, where the Mariana Trench is, that they found like a deeper, something beneath, like deeper than the Mariana Trench. And that wow, they, were, yeah. they were trying to guesstimate what kind of animals would live there or be able to exist there. Um, in that something as deep as that. And again, you don't think that there, you know, that there's things there that maybe we've never seen, or perhaps maybe, maybe some come ashore if they're ever washed up. I mean, yeah. And yeah, then of our, course, there's more oceans than land, so that leaves a lot of exploring to be done. Well, in our ocean, the the bottoms of the oceans have been uh, been mapped by by satellite. Uh, about 95% of the, the ocean floor has been mapped by satellite. However, 95% of the ocean floor hasn't been explored by by people. We have right. no clue what's down there. Exactly. Um, there was uh, and well, and there are a lot of uh, a lot of creatures that just don't go around shipping lanes because you know the boats make too much noise. Um, I remember reading uh, Con Tiki by Thor Heyerdahl. Uh, he was a, a Norwegian uh, anthropologist who wanted to prove that uh, the Polynesian islands had been uh, settled by by people from Peru. Yeah, I heard that. Right. Yeah, and he uh, uh, he and some some other uh, Norwegian scientists built a, a raft that that the uh, ancient Peruvians would have used and sailed it. All the way out to, to Polynesia, you know, for like four, four or five thousand miles, mm -hmm. and one of the parts of the book just floored me because he he was writing that at night he was sitting looking at at the ocean and there were lights that were under the water, just under the water, under the boat, and they would follow them. Wow. What the hell was that? <laughs> exactly, that was gonna follow. It's like, and you know, they weren't looking at that point. They, it's not like somebody's okay, I'm looking. I'm looking to have my UFO encounter while I sail across the. No, that's not what they were there for. But he observed it, in other words. Right, right, and you know, there there are self luminescent animals um, mm -hmm. that live underneath the. I mean, they live way down deep. Yes. They can't come up that that you know because of the the water the the pressure they cannot come up that high. So yeah. what was making those lights? It's it's just. Crazy to think of all the things we don't know about the ocean. I think that, you know, for and, and who, for all those people that think that the age of exploration has come and gone, I beg to differ. <laughs> oh, no. We, we've got lots uh, lots of discoveries yet to make. And uh, we, uh, science discovers uh, approximately 18,000 uh, new species every year. Yes. Now, admittedly, like 10,000 of them are insects. Mm -hmm. But... They also, I mean, a few years ago, they discovered a new species of orangutan. That's that's a nice size animal. Yes. Uh, again, in 1996, uh, you know, the the billy ape. Uh, in 1977, the uh, the the uh, megamouth shark, which is right, what I think 18 feet long, yes. it was was rediscovered. So there are a lot of discoveries. I agree right. with you. The age of discovery is not over. Right, and that mega mouth shark, it's scary to look at. It's kind of harmless from what I understand. All of what is it that eats plankton or small fish? But we right, right, yeah, it, yeah. Like, yeah. But you know what? If you think if you were back in the times when people were uh, maybe the 1900s, 1800s, you saw something like that in the ocean, you'd be like, huh? Oh, my God, the monster. You know, like, 
No, it's a sea monster. It's yeah, absolutely so what it is. Of course, when you saw something like that, you weren't there to go to find out what does it eat. You're going to assume it wants to eat you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I, people don't realize all animals are opportunistic. Um, I tell everybody one time I took, you know, even predators, um, you know, when they say all these people that they would see these sightings of all these different, uh, you know, what, like what you said that they could have said was sea monsters. I remember one time I went out on, um, on one of these gambling ships off the coast here and, you know, they go out X amount of miles where it's legal to, well, that's, you know, this was before they legalized a lot of the gambling here in Florida, but you know, even then, you know, this is smaller nice little cruise ship and it'll take you out x amount of miles off the coast and so that you could legally be gambling and i remember we went out and you know after a while we said oh let's let's go up on the deck let's let's go get some fresh air just it was nighttime and you know when they drop anchor they you know the ships have these lights that basically run around the the deck underneath excuse me And they light up the water, you know, obviously so that nobody runs into the ship. So we go and we look and we looked over the side and the whole ship, the entire ship was surrounded by huge sharks. Okay. <laughs> we were like, basically, these animals know that I guess they drop off food. They let go of stuff out there. <laughs> so they're there to basically eat. There was, this, I'm not talking about a couple of sharks. Because we... A bunch! Oh my gosh! That's just, 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 just like the you know fish at a feeding pond. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it looked like. That's it. and they were right there. <clears throat> they were right on the top of the water because you know these floodlights that that they were along the sides of the ship all around. They basically illuminated the water right on the top, right where the ship was sitting on, and they were right there, right there at the top. They were very. You could easily see them, and out there the water is translucent. All right. There was no mistaking. Oh, is that? No, there was like not one. (laughs) We walked around the entire deck and they were all around. And I know the only reason why they're there is like they had nothing better to do is because they probably they were they knew that, hey, when this thing comes out here, we get food, you know, we can eat stuff. But when you looked at that, it was like, oh, crap. (laughs) <laughs> whatever you do don't fall overboard <laughs> right i hope this thing doesn't sink yeah oh no let me tell you something <laughs> that 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 was uh that's, that's that's enough to like yeah let's go back in you know let's just let's go have another drink quick <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that was um but i'm saying as far as you know even back then which by the way when you think about people going on these ships like these sailboats and like you know that you would think, well, yes, a lot of these predators and these animals sometimes would follow these ships around hoping to get fed. Or if it was an older animal or an infirm or sick one, which was hungry, they, you know, they do. That's why I think a lot of these sailors sometimes had these sightings of the so-called sea monsters. Um, Because you would think, what, these sea monsters have nothing better to do than pick on the poor, you know, sailing vessel. And it was, no, maybe they were just following it for, you know, survival. Eating, eating. People don't realize the bigger you are, the more food you need to subsist on a daily basis. So, which by the way, I getting back real quick to that idea about Bigfoot, you know, using humans or anything else that they could to eat. I said, you know, if you think about how big a Bigfoot is, you know, you always think of Bigfoot seven, eight, nine feet tall, weigh hundreds of pounds. I say, 
do you really think these animals are going to subsist just on berries? You know how much of their day they have to eat to maintain having a body weight? They got to eat a lot and probably meat, I hate to say it. Like berries and leaves? Uh, No. So, you know, I sometimes think that people want to overlook the obvious uh, of what it is that we get used to. We're hungry. All we go is into the room and, you know, get a snack from the refrigerator. And when you live out in the wilderness, any animal, um, your good portion of your day is spent on survival as in eating. So Right. And, and yeah, if this thing was eight foot tall and 700 pounds, that, that would, he'd spend a lot, of, a lot of the day eating. Well, I say go to any zoo and ask the people that, keep, that take care of the predators, like the lions, and ask them, how much food does, do you need to feed it on a daily basis? So for this animal just to maintain their weight, to, you know, to be okay, you know, that, that, that's, that's what I'm saying. You know, a lot of times, you know, maybe they don't want to, but they, it's like opportunity raises itself. It's like, man, I could eat that human and that'll take care of my food for the day. Or I have young, you know, I, you know, and I know there's people out there that don't want to think of Bigfoot as doing something like that, but. You know, why not? I mean, I think it could happen under certain circumstances. All sorts of primates eat meat. Yeah. All of them do. Yeah. I think, uh, what was it, Jane Goodall, when she did that observation of the chimpanzee, they discovered a lot of stuff about primates that they, you know, it's not like Cheetah, the Tarzan movie, in other words. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, yeah, they will, uh, chimpanzees will hold war on a, you know, another you know, uh, another troop of chimpanzees that, you know, is in their territory and they will eat the ones they kill. Yeah, yeah. People don't don't realize that, you know, they want to make, how would I get the, and I don't mean this because people are like, oh, you're trying to demonize the animal. No, I'm not saying, but don't humanize them either. You know, as in um, that they have sometimes, but I don't see sometimes, I guess like, and I point out to people, I say, you know, when you see the lion going, kill the gazelle or the baby deer or whatever it's not a good and evil thing this is just an animal doing what it needs to do to survive right you know we feel bad man i feel bad if i kill a roach sometimes i mean i'm, I'm exaggerating but you know most of uh, nature doesn't see it through the eyes of the human being in other words That's... right so yeah yeah, be careful. For all those people that go out in the woods knocking on the pieces of the tree, you know, with a thing hoping that Bigfoot shows up, you better think about that. You know what? I, I don't think Bigfoot uh, tree knocks at all. I think the people who hear tree knocks and they give tree knocks back are just tree knocking to other Bigfoot hunters on the other side of the forest. <laughs> They're just all out there talking to themselves. Right. I, who was it one time? I God, I can't remember now my... It was somebody else that we were talking about the Bigfoot, and he was talking about this lady who contacted him. Who she lived, I want to say it was either Alabama, Arkansas, one of these A states. And um, she lived, her property basically bordered on this forest land, wooded land. And she had started calling out, doing what she thought was Bigfoot calls, you know, out there, you know, like when the sun went down, hoping the Bigfoot would show up. And I was like, do you really know what you're doing? I mean, do you really want? To, I mean, sometimes people you know that thing about be careful what you wish for. Uh, sometimes right. people don't realize, you know, like Bigfoot might not come and want to show up and have tea with you, you know, uh, or anything. This this 
this he might eat your animals he might eat your chickens because you were there or he might think you might be putting out a mating call for all you know right <laughs> well and i'm always dubious about there there are lots of people who claim that uh, you know, there's Bigfoot on my property, and you know, I leave food out for them, and they come and bring me presents. I, I got to call BS on all that because they'd have pictures. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, I, I I don't believe that people should have pictures of Bigfoot because, you know, that's that's one thing the skeptics will say is, you know, everybody's got a camera on their phone nowadays. Right. You know, if there was a Bigfoot out there, we'd have a picture of it, you know, that wasn't blurry. No, you wouldn't, because if you were standing 10 yards away from a Bigfoot, that's the last thing you'd want to do is yes. take their picture. Yes. But if somebody is claiming that they attract Bigfoots to their house on a regular basis, they, they could take a picture. Sure. I'd say, and, and I say sometimes a lot of people that have these encounters, really we're not looking for it. It just happens. And they're not ready, in other words. It's not like they were out there looking for the moment. You know, they just happen, something happened, either they see something in their car, on the road. And like you said, they're just dumbstruck. They're like, uh, uh, camera, phone, what? Are you kidding? I was just trying to, like, make it fit into my reality. And, of course, I was comes and goes. I was realizing I couldn't outrun it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, okay, this thing decides to <laughs> Anyway, Jason, I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight. You've been such a wonderful guest. And let me ask you, um, you you have a, a book that just came out, which was the last one, the fiction one. Which was the last? Right. One? Yeah, the last book that came out was uh, was a novel. It just came out uh, in uh, on the twenty first of July. Okay. Uh, it's called uh, So You Had uh, So You Had to Build a Time Machine. It's a Humorous science fiction book, and uh, it's gotten quite a bit of quite a few good reviews. That's great. It's it's yeah, it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, all the places. Okay, and let me ask you something for my podcast listeners: What is your website address, or where they could find out more information about you and your books? It is uh, jasonoffit.com. J a s o n o f f u t t dot com. Okay, there you go. And your books are also available on Amazon as well, right? Correct. Perfect. Again, thank you so much. You've been wonderful. I love talking to you. You have such great stories. I'm telling you. And like I said, folks, Thanks. I started reading those fiction books and I was I was laughing. I was I'm sorry, but you 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 really really know as personally as far as you, I love the way you write, the the humor you have when you write. It's just great. So, I I, I appreciate that. All right, take care and good luck to you on any of your new projects, okay? All right, terrific. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. I'm telling you, I did. Um, because, you know, uh, when I have a, a guest coming on, I like to look to see what they've been doing. And as a writer, I like to see whether people write. And, and I know, and I had seen his work before. And, you know, of course, he has the nonfiction, which is like the cryptids, which is research. And then he has these other fictional books. And he is, let me tell you something, just he, he writes in such a way that you find yourself like laughing out loud, that people look at you and go, what's up with you? That you'll just sit there and laugh because his humor is great. He knows how to write. And that humor comes along. I love it. It's great, great humor. Um, but well written, by the way, very well written. And uh, you know what? Um, 
this thing of the the cryptid you know like like he said he you know he wrote it you know mostly based on research because a lot of these things were like a one-time thing or they were cited x amount of time many 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 years ago and then maybe some local newspaper picked it up and from what i found when i'm doing my own research some of these newspapers they would run a story in other parts of the country or in other parts of the state if they were having a slow news day they would reprint the article so sometimes it got a little bit of exposure and other times it just stayed in the local community depending on what was going on in the rest of the country if anybody else would pick it up so there's some stories that is true um the only way you're going to ever find out about it is if you read i mean some some of these stories are so old there's there's no living uh witnesses or people that live there and if they did it was like they never they didn't witness it firsthand they heard it from their grandparents who were around that time and remember when the so-and-so was terrorizing the neighborhood whatever you know whatever. um but uh he makes a very good point that you know everybody um a lot of times by its very description when you throw a sighting of something into the cryptid it's like uh everybody right there it's like the, the mystery and um let me give you an example you know and i'm sure a lot of people have heard which by the way is accurate and truthful you know how uh the bull shark has been found in brackish waters it's traveled up uh tributaries that lead to rivers off the ocean and at one point it was thought that sharks you could only find them in salt water in the ocean and that they wouldn't exist or purposely uh go up a river where the water is you know you know there's a confluence of you know fresh water and salt water and there have been sightings and even that's even attacked because bull sharks are known to be very aggressive uh where they've killed human beings because people have been uh playing or diving or in what they considered was a river or a pool and lo and behold they had a predator like of all things not only just a shark but a bull shark which is aggressive come and bite them or eat them or drag them under so a lot of times uh and and i'm using that as an example if if let's say uh there wouldn't have been any modern sightings to prove that that's accurate as far as that a bull shark would come up and, and be found uh, attacking people in a river. Most people think, oh, the, the, you know, and this was the found to be accurate a hundred years ago. People would say, oh, that a shark? No, they must. They would come up with a hundred million different types of fish that lived in that area. Maybe that one that grew, but there's no way it could be a shark, and much less um, have attacked or eaten somebody or killed them. And you know, maybe the person just drowned. And come to find out it is accurate and and the i guess the point i'm saying is that sometimes a lot of these stories people think that because it happened 100 years ago or 80 years ago and maybe it was something that was seen by only a couple of people or it occurred or a sighting was only for x amount of time that yeah because back then people would see things and they would just doesn't mean that they weren't being accurate and truthful 
you'd be surprised. A lot of these sightings, a lot of these cryptids had a significant amount of witnesses. And by the way, a lot of these witnesses were very credible witnesses. These would be people that would be the first, if they lived presently, who would be like, no, that's, in other words, for them to actually be quoted as saying, I saw it or have their own first-hand experience was, in other words, because as a matter of fact, <clears throat> what you find in a lot of these instances is that when something like this happens, unless it was a one-time thing and that was it, they, they would call in the leaders, the the, the, the the priest, the clergy, the mayor, the they were, all these important people would be, they would call in like, you need to see this. And by the way, you need to solve this, whatever it is that we're seeing or whatever is causing this disturbance. And these were the first people that would be saying, yes, I saw this. They would be vouching for the people saying, if if they didn't have themselves the, the, the experience, they would vouch for the credibility of this other person as far as what they described. And sometimes these things occurred more than once and then maybe for a couple of months and then they were they disappeared. You know, and some people say, well, either the witness was lying or they were, they were exaggerating or the newspaper wanted to sensationalize it and they took this little story and they ran with it and they but you know what depending on the story because like i said i've done research sometimes and sometimes you would see the same story that written by different uh writers and they they you could tell by the tone of it um that they were reporting on something that they were it was being described to them as being accurate I've read some pieces of some of these older newspapers that you could tell it's very tongue-in-cheek where they kind of like yeah and they saw this yeah sure and yeah and then there's other ones that you could tell that they are describing they're retelling what witnesses say they saw or experienced and by the way which were you know what you consider true journalists they don't add or detract from the story they just report on what they're being told and again uh, I, a lot of times we kind of want to think that because something happened so many years ago before people had technology like we do, that it's like, you know, lack of technology is equivalent to being stupid. Really? What does that have to do with anything? Same thing as what Jason was talking about, you know, some of these stories about some of these creatures predate that even the natives that lived in that area were describing uh, encounters or we know that this type of cryptid whatever it was existed whether it was a lake monster or a Bigfoot or whatever the case might be and people discounted it thinking ah oh, you know it's just myths fables you know blah blah sure 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 why because of course everybody equates to we're so technologically advanced now we're so smart and we are the best observers in the world and we the only ones that uh, know when something is true and scientifically we're on the up and up really I think that 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 a lot of time don't get me wrong I can see where you know yeah at some point you have to vet certain stories but I think a lot of times things have been discounted based on that because some people want to say that modern as in modern times we're superior observers or superior judges of what's true and that we're not going to fall for that, you know, that 
made-up fairy tale. And I think a lot of times it bites us in the rear end, big time. Even though then I think sometimes they keep it down low. And um, and I think, I'm not going to say every cryptid has existed. You might have a cryptid that maybe was on the brink of extinction to begin with. Maybe what it was seen um, X amount of years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, whenever it was sighted, let's say, maybe it was already on the roadway to extinction. And when it was seen, maybe that was maybe one of the last few that were left and then they died out. And then, of course, people say, well, you know what? They was never seen again. You don't know. But let's face it, a lot of species die out because they just fail to adapt or the key to um, which is not survival of the fittest it's survival of he who reproduces the most you know if you um, you know they have found like in a lot of these fossil records uh, when they would have different versions of let's say a certain animal that you know, you would have this one developed this way. They, like in, all, in other words, they, they all know that these different animals sprung from this one animal originally. And then they all kind of did their little offshoot and they developed certain ways. And usually the ones that made it were the ones that developed certain things, even if it was a special tooth, to adapt in order for them to eat, for example. In other words, adaptability is very important. But also... The ability to procreate all right in other words survival is because you can be very suited to your environment but if you don't procreate you're that's it you're gonna die out uh, and by that they mean as in you have enough young where you know you're gonna you're gonna lose some to disease accident and that you're going to reproduce enough to still have another generation that will survive you. And then they procreate and so on and so on and so on. Um, that, yeah, that, that, that's one of the problems sometimes where species become extinct is lack of adaptability or lack of mates, you know, to, to go ahead and procreate more. In other words, you could be this very well-adapted animal, uh, but if you don't find a suitable mate, and, and let's face it, animals are like humans. There's, they only have a window of time that they can reproduce. Okay, so females, you know, either too young or too old. Uh, that they can take care of their young depending I mean there's a lot of different things you know as far as in the animal kingdom you know you have animals that survive in pods or prides like lions or killer whales and you have other animals that basically the mother is off by themselves and they have their young but if they don't find that male somewhere in the time that they're going to heat guess what that's it that window of time for them to procreate is gone you know because some of these animals uh, only go into, when I say heat, as far as being able to be impregnated, only a certain window of time. It's not like they walk around year-round uh, looking for a mate. So in other words, unless they 
they have that meeting between male and female then that's it so that's why also a lot of these uh species disappear my point being let's let's go back to the cryptid that there might have been cryptids out there that were sighted for a while and then never seen again and people just dismiss it as people's over imagination and why didn't we see them and maybe really weird stuff uh, that must be interesting his book has 250 stories of different cryptids um that that might be the answer why some things were seen only for a short amount of time and never seen again or while we have some cryptids even now that the sightings are very rare because maybe their numbers are very um some people think you know what are some of these cryptids they, they just live a long time there's not a lot of them okay but they live a really long time as in comparison to human beings so yeah there's some of them around they're just they're not running around all over the place and that's why you have very rare sightings of them every once in a while. And there's, and yeah, every once in a while they'll get together and maybe they'll mate and they'll produce one. But their reproduction cycle, maybe they reproduce very, very slowly. And that's fine. And they survive somehow or other. Every once in a while somebody gets together, they, they have one. That's that. And maybe enough, a lot of years go by. Um same thing happens you know what there's a or same thing as humans sometimes you're young take a really long time to reach maturity and you know you do have some species that will not have another offspring until the existing one reaches a certain age and maybe in some cases what if, if i'm just this is just me making it up as i go along because we're talking about cryptids why not what if this animal or primate or thing or human, well, whatever it is, <clears throat> has a really long life and it takes a really long time for their young to reach a certain maturity where it will go and seek out to get impregnated again and have another offspring. Years and years and years. Because they have a very light, long, long lifespan. And what ends up happening is that, yeah, there's some of them around, but they're very few in numbers. Why not? I I don't see it as something impossible. You know, we I think just like what I, I commented to Jason that despite what a lot of people think, the age of exploration is far from over. All right. And I love that that book that he said about um as a matter of fact I'm sure you saw the the cover of it. That about things being in your own backyard and by that what he meant was when he looked at uh things that were happening or sightings within a hundred mile radius and I, I do I do believe you know contrary to what a lot of people think that you have to go up to some exotic place or the one place where everybody sees everything just to have that experience you'd be surprised if you do a little bit of research which you find very 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 close to home so on that note guys thank you for being part of my audience please make sure to uh, look at my books on Amazon at uh, under my author page Marlene Pardo Pelliser Right about now, I'm about to release my fifth fiction book, which is called The Dead Cast No Shadow, a Sybil novella number two. Um, you're all gonna, this is like a supernatural thriller, um, urban fantasy. I, I don't know what, to, what genre to place it in. Um, 
way out there, you know, the weird, weird section. So if you're into weird fiction, by all means, look it up. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Um, and I do have uh, a free book on Smashwords called I've Come For My Girl. There's a free version of it. It's uh, three short stories that I wrote up that you can get for free if you go to Smashwords. It's, uh, like I said, you can download that for free. And uh, again, like always, I ask that if you have any weird stories, please send them to me. I would love, love to hear about them. And uh, go ahead and retell them here on Stories of the Supernatural, one of my other two channels, which are Nightshade Diary, which is your classic ghost story channel, and Supernatural Storytime, which is when I talk about or retell stories that are sent to me, um, experiences that others have had. Uh, and again, you know, if you want to be remain anonymous, I'll do that for you. I, you know, you know, like names have been changed to protect the innocent. I can do that. Whatever it is, first-hand experience, second-hand experience, uh, folklore that you've lived in, family tradition, you know, whatever the case might be, I would love to hear your story. Just send it to me at Marlene at MiamiGhostChronicles.com or you can go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. There's a tab on that website where you can submit the story at. And uh, also, you know, if, if you want to, I would love to have you. I would love to interview you on the show. If you're up to that, um, I would love to do that as well. Uh, again, guys, thank you for being part of my audience and coming back every week. Take care.